Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Maureen Wolschlager. Maureen is the Director of Business Development at Vector Global Logistics. So we know she's the kind of person who can stay cool under pressure, especially during the last few years. Maureen's background is in manufacturing, supply chain, and account management, and she is also one of the hosts of Logistics with Purpose, part of the Supply Chain Now family of shows. Hi, Maureen. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. So I shared a really high-level overview of your background, but what else should people know about your experience, your career, how you got to this point um, before we start digging into our our focus topic for today? Okay. Well, I think one thing uh, that's worth mentioning, I guess I was a liberal arts student and I got into supply chain and operations um, almost by accident after college. I worked for a company that only hired liberal arts students to manage their operations and their marketing and their supply chain. And their idea behind that, their philosophy was really to hire people who hadn't taken all the same undergraduate business classes and put them in a room, just instead hire people who have shown uh, that they know how to think and try and have them solve some problems and bring some different solutions to the table. So I thought that I was going to graduate college and go into working for a nonprofit or an NGO, and I ended up at an industrial supply company. And so that's where my passion and love for supply chain logistics started. And then I think the rest is is kind of history or everybody can see on LinkedIn or or anywhere on the, the internet. But um, I took a break for a while uh, when my kids were younger and um, I lived in some pretty cool places in the world. And so coming back and starting to work for Vector a couple of years ago, I feel like I had a lot of different experiences to bring to the table with, you know, an industrial supply company and I worked for Target and I did some consulting for some organizations like McDonald's and Chipotle and companies like that. So then to circle around and be a part of the transportation and the import export process really is an opportunity to round out my experience in all different areas of the supply chain. So I think I have a pretty well-rounded experience, but I am always surprised uh, that Each week I'm encountering a question or a problem which is new to me, and it gives me the opportunity to still be challenged. Well, and speaking of challenges that require a well-rounded background to address, one of the things that people should know about Vector Global Logistics is that it's a very mission-driven team. Um, it's, It's the reason that the podcast is Logistics with Purpose. 
And Vector was one of the very first companies, at least in my network, to get actively involved in the days after Russia invaded Ukraine. And so I'm thrilled to have you here, even with your liberal arts background. Maureen. <laughs> I'm, I'm procurement by way of Shakespeare, so you're in you're in good company here. Right. Um, but can you tell me a little bit about how your team decided that Ukraine was a place where you wanted to get actively involved? Uh, well, to be honest, internally, it was, we didn't really have to debate or consider it for more than about three seconds, because like you said, we are very mission focused and we really do believe logistics is just one way to help bring people together and help make the world a better place. And so while every company has their sort of mission statement or mantra for being, we are always looking to do the right thing and get involved in those complicated areas or underserved areas and really try and make a difference. And I think if you're, you know, in the logistics industry, you don't necessarily seek out those opportunities because they are more challenging. They require a lot more detail. They're the exception to the rule, right? And so once things start to unfold uh, in Ukraine and Poland in that area, it was very easy for us to kind of come together under our leadership of an Enrique Alvarez, who's our managing director, and say, okay, this is an obvious answer here. Let's get involved. Let's figure out how we can get involved. And so that is, um, we started talking right away about how we could do that and what we could do, um, being that we are a logistics company, but we we do work with people all over the world. We have customers in all different industries. You know, let's find a way to capitalize on that and leverage that not really capitalize, more leverage, and bring people together and actually make a tangible difference. Now, where has the primary focus of your efforts been so far? What are the kinds of activities and things that you and the rest of the Vector team, as well as your larger network, have been working on accomplishing? Well, so what we decided to do early on uh, was to bring people together to talk about where where they were in the world, what they were seeing, ways that we can help. And so we set up these weekly calls early on in the conflict where we were reaching out to people in our network on LinkedIn. We were reaching out to customers. And the, we have customers, you, you know, who import golf cart parts, or we are we also have customers who are exporting books and medical supplies, right? So we reached out to some suppliers in other areas of the world to our customers and said, look, everybody's bringing something different to the table here. And if you have a passion for helping and giving or participating in this, please join our call. And we just, it was almost like an open forum where we were connecting people needs versus wants. You know, we had some people who were like, I, I, I have money, but I don't have anything to donate. And I don't even know who, who, what to do. Can I help that way? And then we had other customers. We had some customers saying, Hey, we have medical supplies that we ship that are free. If you can find someone to sponsor it and someone to receive it at the other end, we'll just give it to you. So we were making all these connections. We made jokes that we were like the tender of, of uh, the Ukraine <laughs> initiative because we, you know, sometimes all you need are those connectors to make a difference. And so 
as a company, we decided that we would sponsor a minimum of two containers a month going from the U.S. over to Eastern Europe, right? But in addition to that, that was just part of it. We still wanted to help manage the process, manage the goods getting there, because we had a lot of people coming to the table who who don't have any experience in shipping. They just have an interest in helping, and they say, well, what can we do um, you know, we had a really great opportunity. One of our customers, um, Performance Health, who, if anybody goes out there and Googles them, you know, they have tons of different supplies you'll buy at Walmart or Target, and they have like the icy hot packs, amongst tons of other things. They said, hey, we have 120 pallets of material, including tourniquets and band-aids and, you know, you name it. And they're like, we're going to donate all of this. It was like almost $500,000 worth of product. They're like, there's no strings attached. You guys just need to go find someone who can receive it and distribute it. And, you know, that's not really within the scope of what we're a logistics company, right, does, right? So on our calls, we're like, hey, you, Vladimir, you have airship stuff there with your friend who works for the general consulate who is distributing material to hospitals. Do you think that you could connect us with him to see if he wants this stuff? And it was all these lines going back and forth. And in the end, all of us ended up working together. You know, there's no you know financial benefit to, to us for this. That wasn't the intent, right? And we recently put about 120 pallets on a plane, not a ship. So it went a lot faster. And we're able to get it over to Ukraine and distribute it to some of the military hospitals there. And that wouldn't have happened without everybody on these calls looking to make connections or us saying, wait, hey, I see that person over there and that person over there, and they are looking for tourniquets and they are donating them. And, the, you know, those two people in in their own silo did not have, you know, the wherewithal to say, well, how can I get in touch with that person over there? They only came in contact because they attended our call. And so we felt really good about continuing to make some of those connections. And then if they wanted us to arrange a shipping, great. If they didn't, we, that wasn't why we were in it. We were just looking to try and use our, you know, use our power for good, you can say. Well, and it's it's an interesting challenge when you think about it because, you know, everything high level is simple. But when you start digging yeah. into the details of actually making this happen, we can all colloquially say, oh, we're sending donations or supplies to Ukraine. But Ukraine is not a destination address. There needs to be a person, a facility, someone on the other end. How big of a challenge was it for you to actually do that matchmaking of bringing, whether it was funds or specific shipments, and finding specific destinations to direct them to? That was actually the hardest part was finding consignees because we're, you know, Performance Health, their product was hung up for a while because we were reaching, you know, again, we don't, I don't know anybody personally in Ukraine I can reach out to or Poland. You know, we were continually looking for connections during our calls and we're like, look, we have all this material and it's free and we are willing if it goes over the ocean we're willing to pay for it and we have other people who are willing to pay for it cuz it was going to be like five containers worth right but we were really struggling to find organizations on the receiving end who could receive it could distribute it 
who were willing to pay like the inland transportation or if there were duties and taxes with that. So to be honest, that was actually the most challenging part. And, and in addition to that was managing the expectations of the donators because, okay. you know, performance health was very, very patient with us. But they're like, we have all this stuff. And they thought it was just going to be like, sure, someone whisks in and picks it up. And I'm like, look, the challenge is finding someone who wants to assume the potential, you know, one, receiving of it. And also, you know, what's happened in Poland the past couple of months is that they are not as liberal and um, easygoing about these humanitarian aid shipments. So they are trying to, I, I don't want to say they're trying to capitalize on the money for duties and taxes, but it's a lot harder to clear things over there than it was a couple months ago. Um, and even though it's going to humanitarian aid, if it's, you know, clearing through Poland, you know, they're really trying to collect the duties and taxes on it, even though it's going right over the border, you know? So there's been challenges with that. And then some of the ports um, like Romania, we had a lot of challenges with, a lot of things were getting held up there and the ports were overwhelmed. And so we said, we don't want to ship something there, but because things are going by ocean for the most part, there's a delay. So we ship it. And then a month later, when everything's get over there, the, the landscape had changed from when it had left the, the U S and so kind of dealing with that, um, especially with, you know, working with partners like agents on the destination side who, we're not necessarily dealing with humanitarian aid and moving product into conflict areas. All of a sudden we're now, that was 90% of their, their inbound volume. So definitely, you know, being patient and compassionate while working with the receiving agents um, on understanding how kind of the game and the landscape was changing daily for them. Um, where on our end, we're like, see, we, we did everything you asked. And they're like, oh, but it's totally changed 180 degrees. Now we need to do this. And, you know, it's a very dynamic environment. And, you know, most of the people that we're working with on the receiving end, they're working at at cost. And and so are we. Um, And we've been able to work with some steamship lines who, for these shipments, are charging us their cost. And so we're passing that directly on to whoever's paying for it. Um, You know, it's it's a very dynamic environment. And... um, you know, it's interesting to be a part of it and it feels good to be helping others in this way because you wouldn't think a freight forwarder would have that many, that, that much ability to make a difference. Well, and the effort has changed so much. I mean, I can remember in late February watching the news and of course being shocked and horrified with the rest of the world and thinking to myself, just hang in until March, right? Just hang yes. in, hang in there. Mm-hmm. And as you and I speak, Maureen, we're getting ready to turn calendar pages to July. Right. I don't know that anyone necessarily anticipated that the conflict would continue this long, that the Ukrainians would be able to hold out this long. And so when you and I were talking about this the other day, you made an interesting point about the fact that like any other longer term effort, this effort is starting to shift because it's no longer single day, single day, right? We're now getting the sense that this is going to be a far more prolonged set of circumstances than anybody necessarily anticipated. 
how yes. are you and the individuals and organizations that you work with starting to shift this effort to take that longer term view and and hopefully make the support effort sustainable? Um, it's a great question, I think, because what the first thing that we've decided to do is we've just shifted our calls to once a month because at first once a week was needed, necessary. There was so much energy, excitement. There were so many needs, wants, like all these things going on that it was almost like we didn't have enough time in between, you know, one meeting and the next because there was so much going on. And then we felt like, okay, let's make it every two weeks. And we did that for a bit. And then I realized, you know what, it's, it's that, you know, it's the interest is, is going down. The amount of donated goods has kind of whittled down a bit. There are still people interested in helping, but it isn't the same amount of goods that were, you know, activity that was going on, you know, two months ago, three months ago. And so we have shifted to do our meetings once a month and we're going to kind of evaluate what that looks like and what our attendance is um, in July when we have our next meeting. But, you know, it's, we talked internally about, you know, how long will we focus on just Ukraine? Because then, of course, not of course, but Afghanistan had uh, yeah. a, uh, what's it called, the earthquake last week. And, you know, we have now people calling and asking us about how can we ship goods to Afghanistan. So at what point, how many sort of initiatives are we involved in? And what is our commitment to those? Meaning we will always be a part of the solution and helping. But if we are donating two containers or so a month for Ukraine, at what point do we say, okay, we don't have to push for that as much as maybe we want to focus on donating two containers a month to a something going on in the world? Because we have, uh, you know, like I said, a bunch of customers talking about Afghanistan and then who knows what other sort of conflict conflict or national disaster might happen in the world that we also want to be a part of. So we, we're, we're trying to figure out how do we set kind of boundaries or criteria for what we're sponsoring. Um, there's no, there's no boundary or criteria for what we're willing to, to actually help coordinate. Um, but how do we keep it relevant and focused is, is something that I think we're going to reassess after we do our next meeting in July. Um, because, you know, the world's changing every week. And so to see what else is on the horizon there to make sure that we are using our efforts continually to also broaden the scope of who we're helping and how we're helping them. And there will always be need for mission-driven organizations like Vector. I mean, you have so much, you know, expertise that can be brought to bear around the world when these types of catastrophes occur. And, and it's interesting, Maureen, because one of the things that I ask everyone that joins me here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is, is something that I think very much speaks to this idea of being mission-driven. And that's, I always ask everybody, I give you a choice. Either how would you describe the idea of a sourcing hero, or how would you characterize heroism in a business context? Okay, I think that's an easy one for me, uh, for Vector, ex exactly. Um, but for, for me, I would pick the, what does heroism look like in a business context? And I would I would argue that kind of the example that we've just set with this Ukraine initiative and our efforts towards it is 
you know, a data point where, you know, we have a mission statement, we have our value proposition, what we feel like is important at Vector. Um, we feel like this was an opportunity where we could truly, you know, put our money where our mouth is, right? But we also, or I believe that being a hero, a hero in a business context is staying true to that mission statement, remaining consistent and loyal to it, and actually demonstrating it with your actions um, during times of like crisis or change or uncertainty. You know, there's a lot of companies that, in this particular case, could have really taken advantage financially of those willing to part to donate or to to help in this in sending aid or paying for freight or things like that. And we're like, this is, you know, a complete pass through. This is one of the examples of that we can show ourselves and be true to it to our entire team, but also show anyone else that works with us that we are really about serving and helping others. And um, I would say setting the bar high when it comes to that. So I would argue that kind of this our initiative in Ukraine is a great example of that. Well, and it's heartwarming to hear that you were able to partner with so many different types of organizations and not have people looking to make money off the effort, right? A lot of times I think corporations get sort of a bad name for being overly exactly. focused on profits. And, and this does serve as evidence that when people align themselves around an important cause that you know, certainly there are always costs to be borne, but that there doesn't necessarily also have to be anyone making a profit. Um, now, Maureen, for people that don't know you, I'm going to link to your LinkedIn profile from today's episode page, but I really want to make sure that people know where to go if they want to learn more about Vector Global Logistics efforts in this area. Where would you recommend that we direct people? Um, well, we have a tab on our website that outlines what we're doing and a link if you want to register for any of our calls. And they're just, you can join us in video or audio, however you want. Um, you can find our website if you click on my LinkedIn profile or our website is vectorgl.com and you'll see the Ukraine uh, it, it used to be a pop-up, but I think now it's in the lower right corner. Um, so you can see that there or you can message me on LinkedIn or um, connect with me there. And because it's in my profile, you can click on, I think it's blue and, and see it that way too. But we have, we post about a lot of things other than Ukraine. So the website might be the most, the fastest way to get to kind of the summary of our efforts. That is excellent. Well, Thank you for keeping up the good work, Maureen. Pass our thanks along to the rest of your team. Um, and thank you, of course, for joining me here to share your experience and your, your expertise on The Sourcing Hero. Thanks so much for having me, Kelly. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Sourcing Hero podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.